<laughs> oh god, bad idea. It was a bad. I was trying to do this whole spooky intro thing with ba Blake. We've done. We've done all of these different kinds of podcasts. You just don't know how to do it, right, boy? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we've done interviews. We've done game shows. But uh, what's, done live sex. We've done live sex celebrations, but what's the thing that people love in podcasting nowadays, especially in this month of spooky weed? Dinosaurs? They love dinosaurs. <laughs> and what did the dinosaurs do? They died. They died. Exactly. And now they're all ghosts. Which means oh. it's time for a very special spooky BS. <laughs> Is that why they call them dinosaurs? Start the fucking show. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the second podcast on the left, A Load of B.S. I'm your spooky host for the evening, Scotty Moore. And it is me, the B. Blake A. Terror. <laughs> you know... They we always say BS stands for Blake and Scotty, but this this week it stands for Boo and Spooky. Boo and Spooky. Boo and spooky. <laughs> How you doing, y'all? It's just us, Boo and Spooky. <laughs> We're gonna be doing all your spooky stuff this week. It's me, the Boo, and me, the Spookman. Spookman was my favorite show about science as a kid. Yeah, my fa oh, Spookman, he was my favorite science teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so do you remember- He was also a ghost! <laughs> he was a ghost! Happy Halloween! Do you remember your first scary story? Um, I remember that I was not a child that enjoyed scary things. I... So it was always uncharted territory for me. See, I wasn't a kid or an adult who loves scary things, which makes this Halloween episode the worst thing that we could have possibly... I love that usually, like, when we did an interview show, I was like, I listen to interview podcasts. When we did a bad movie one, I'm like, I listen to the Flophouse, and then this week, I'm like, I've got no idea what spooky podcasts do. I should have, like, Googled something or listened to one, but no, I was like, we can improv it. Well, 
I have something that I I bought this at an estate sale once because the owner of the home had died. Oh. Of old age. She was a very old, very nice woman, as I heard. And I bought this book, which is called Everybody's Book of Epitaphs. Being, for the most part, what the living think of the dead. Oh, so is it like actual tombstone epitaphs? or? Yeah. So it's like the goofy tombstones outside of the haunted mansion. <laughs> exactly. God be praised. Here is Mr. Dudley Sr. and Jane, his wife also, who, whilst living, was his superior. But see what death can do. Two of his sons also lie here, one Walter, t'other Joe. They all of them went in the year 1510 below. Well, that didn't think they all died in the same year. Was his, was his name t'other Joe? Or was it saying the other is named Joe? The other is Joe, I, t'other Joe. I prefer t'other, my name... Hey, y'all, my name's Tother Joe. We all died in a plane crash. It was, I mean, it wasn't serious. Everyone else got alive. We were just real unlucky. <laughs> See, with me, my first scary story I ever told was, much like everything I do in life, completely and totally improv And I've gotten better at improv, but in first grade when we were telling spooky stories, mine was literally like, they entered the house. It was a house that many people did not want to buy, but they decided due to the low rates, they would get in and they would buy the house. And as the wife stepped up those front steps, a ghost popped out of nowhere and scared her and she jumped back and fell down the stairs, dying instantly. So your idea of a scary story was just, and then a ghost popped out. Well, it gets better. Ten years later... Another family moves into that house, and as the wife climbs the stairs, the wife from the first family pops out and scares her, and she falls down the stairs and dies. And you'd think that's where I would end, but no, I had a weird feedback loop going of like, and then ten years later, another family moved in, and everyone's watching me, not scared at all, because I was completely coming with this off the top of my dome, and eventually at one point they were like, yeah dude, can you stop? We get the gist of the story at this point. I remember the first time, I think like when I was young, that I was introduced to the concept of a scary movie. Yeah. And I have no idea what this movie is because I remember so little about the one trailer that I saw at my great-grandparents' lake house when I was like five years old. Yeah. And it was like, okay, I'm generic white guy and my wife, maybe? And my I, wife. My wife. Oh, uh, there's a castle, and castle's haunted, and we gotta go back to the castle, because the castle's haunted. Mm -hmm. Why do we have to go back to the castle? Because the castle's haunted. The end. The end. See, with me, the first spooky thing I ever really, like, that stuck in my mind, and I'm fairly sure it was on an episode of Touched by an Angel. It might have been on a different show, but I keep thinking it was Touched by an Angel, but, like... The devil boy was there, Satan man, and he looked up, and he had bright, freaky, yellow Michael Jackson thriller eyes, and it chilled me to my core. There are some moments, like, 
you know, a lot of people have the one where there's the one taxi driver in the Ghostbusters movie that's like, nope, I'm done with this. Or, um, for me, it was an episode of Quantum Leap. Whoa, okay. Because I watched a lot of Quantum Leap when I was a little boy, um, but it was, they had this one episode where he leaps into someone who's like a fake like ghost hunter i guess is the best way to put it yeah and he's trying to figure out why this one woman because he has to have a love interest every week um why she's having these premonitions and like visions of her dead husband because they think it's a ghost and i won't, won't spoil the rest of it but I'm gonna spoil it, so at the end, uh, it turns out her brother's trying to make her go crazy and drown herself in the lake where her husband drowned, except he gets thrown into the lake by a freak earthquake, and then a bunch of bodies start popping out of the lake of people that have drowned in the lake over the last hundred years, and the bodies of one of the people they find out is the caretaker of the house, who was in the episode. She was a ghost all along. Oh, fuck. Oh, okay. See, that was the worst as a kid, is when your spooky or your favorite show got spooky and you couldn't trust it anymore. Like, there was a Jimmy Neutron episode where someone turned into a... I think Carl turned into a vampire, and from that point on, I was like, I can't trust Jimmy Neutron. They've got vampires now. Oh, yeah, they're gonna gonna get me. It's like watching... uh, At least when I watched Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark, I knew what I was in for. Yeah, but here's the... The stupidest one. It was an episode of Home Improvement. (laughs) (laughs) And it's where they just... They did some weird audio mixing every time Tim made his growls. (laughs) For a while there, the scariest noise in the world to me was... No, it's one where they're trying to scare... I think it might have been Randy, the eldest child, and to do that, they started playing Inagata DeVita super loud, and... I remember that. Yeah, and, like, Tim Allen had these glowing red devil eyes, which apparently was the scariest thing in the world to me as a child, and it haunted me. It Tim the Toolman Taylor with those demon eyes almost made me give up home improvement forever. This reminds me, because uh, I mentioned it earlier, and you just mentioned those eyes, but um, did you ever watch uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark growing up? No, of course not. I was a coward <laughs> then, and I'm a coward now. I had such a morbid fascination with that show, mm-hmm. because I would every time I watched, like, binge some episodes, I would not sleep for days, but I would still go back and do it. Um, there are some horrible ones. Like, the thing that pops out of this pool that just tries to drown people, and it is one of, it is still legitimately terrifying to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's the other one that's just the clown, and there's this big fucking clown, and it's a ghost, but, and he steals his nose through, for, through a dare or something. Yeah. But, the thing that I remember is, this kid is coming back, and he gives the clown his nose back, and he also just throws down a pack of cigars at his feet, and I'm sitting here just like, 
This would never fly today. Oh, they yeah. would never let children have a pack of cigars in a television show. See, with me, like, clowns always fucked me up. Like, because uh, there's that point, I think it's in the Rugrats movie, or it might have been on an episode of Rugrats where Chucky wakes up, like, strapped to a hospital bed with clowns tr- trying to, like, work on his body. And I was like, this is horrifying and it, as, if we're gonna... I feel like there's a better way you could have phrased that entire thing <laughs> clowns just working on that sick bot of Chucky oh god yeah dude like there was so much as a child that scared me that now as an adult like do you remember before the Disney home videos they used to play like the short music videos and they had the one and literally all it was was like a song about the spooky villains. And it would show this corridor with these two pillars, and the monsters would jump out, do a little dance, dance. then jump away. I do remember that. I had to fast forward through that shit every single time. It was the worst experience of my life. Oh, uh, I'm guessing that that means that you never watched. You know how there are some of these fake reality shows they used to be much more prevalent like in the early 2000s in the late 90s but it was just an hour long television series and I think there were maybe like five or six of them where it would just be like here's a city, here's a bunch of ghost stories in the city and then they did, they interspersed the stories with like actual like you know actors that have been dressed up to look like the ghosts and I always loved them for listening to the stories, but every time they got to a creepy ghost actor, it would scare me, and then I couldn't sleep for a week. I just love this concept of, like, going from city to city interviewing ghosts. My name's Guy Fieri. Welcome back to Ghost Ghoulies and Guys. Welcome back to Guy's Ghost Games. (laughs) And he just goes from city to city. He's like, this week I'm going to be talking to a guy who drowned in the river. Why are you still here, man? And he's just, no, it's Guy Fieri going from town to town, and he has to help the ghosts move to the other side by fixing whatever injustice that's kept them attached to this mortal coil. Oh, uh, yeah. But I will say, I have been looking at creepy pastas to help us get through this, get us some spooky stories. And I've got a collection of a few here, and uh, it's all from badcreepypasta.wikia.com. I've got one as well. Don't let me, don't let us pass this segment without it getting read. Okay, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll probably do like half and half because a few of mine are short. So I'll do like a short one, a long one. You can do one short one, long one. You can do one. I'll do my last one. But um, <clears throat> this one's apparently very famous. So you're with your honey, and you're making out. When the phone rings, you answer it, and the voice says, What are you doing with my daughter? You tell your girl, and she says, My dad is dead. Then who was phone? I fucking hate you. I hate you so fucking much right now. Who was phone? I can't fathom. If I knew that was the bar... (laughs) If I knew the stuff that I was researching was way up here and the bar was so far down that I would have to go through the actual depths of hell to get to the creepy pastas that you were looking at. Who was fun? Well, my 
my favorite is like underneath it is a spooky reading of the story and then next to it a picture of the shocking truth jesus was phone okay okay this okay, one's that's... actually this one's actually kind of based in reality and it's really scary the next uh -huh. time you go and make a purchase at like walmart or aldi or whatever hand the clerk a one dollar bill and ask her to make change she'll hand you back a number of coins several of which bear the likenesses of long dead historical figures Ooh, spooky! <laughs> oh, wait. Hold on. Blake, do you have some of these cursed oh, objects? Oh, no! <laughs> it's George Washington! There's ghosts everywhere! I have one ghost. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Two ghosts. Uh, uh, uh. This is the level that I'm at now. I'm already descending into the depths of madness. Is this what this episode's about? But who was coin, Blake? Who was coin? I'm pretty sure it was George. Let me check. Yeah, still George. It's still George. All right, your turn, buddy. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Scotty, do you remember Stick Stickly? No, what? Stick Stickly? He used to be the Nickelodeon, like, one of their mascots. He, um, here, let me just get into this well, story. Okay. Oh, yeah. I remember, I'm sorry, I googled him, I remember Stick Stickly. Stick Stickly may be one of the least creative characters ever made, but he still holds a very special place in the hearts of 90s children for his several years of hosting Nick in the Afternoon. Most information on Stick Stickly says he hosted Nickelodeon's Summer Afternoon block from 95 to 98, but I always swore that I remembered seeing him on TV earlier than that. Um, there's a bunch of, like, stories here, so they're just many things. Because this guy kid thinks he's crazy for a while, but recently I found a small fan site for Stick Stickly that mentions him hosting a 1993 afternoon block during the school year called Afternoon Snack with Stick Stickly. To my joy, the website even had videos of Stickly segments. I watched one marked first ever Stick Stickly appearance. Stickly wasn't in front of his chalkboard with an afternoon snack in his normal writing. He, his design was a little different. His eyes were smaller, he had no nose, and his mouth was straight-lined instead of being curved into smile. He made a couple corny jokes and said the Rugrats was coming up. The video ended at that point. I watched one. There were six of them. But I can only assume they were in chronological order. The second was called Stick Gets Injured. Now this is my favorite. Stick Stickly had the same face from the first video, but his body seemed a little worn. There were a few splinters sticking out of his side. His full dialogue... Well... The dog next door buried me, but I managed to get it. The show you all voted to see. Hey Dude is up next. And don't forget to send in your postcards to vote for the special guest and you want. Remember the address is, and then he sang his song, but the tune was different. Third was called Hang Stick. Stick Stickly is just hanging in the air by a piece of string tied around his waist. A little boy looks about five was also there, and the chalkboard had six dashes on it. It represented a six-letter hangman word. The kid was guessing letters, but then he guessed them all wrong, and then I guess Stick Stickly got strangled. I don't fucking know. <laughs> um, this goes out to, like, Stick Gets Mad. This is the fifth one before the last. It was silent. Stick was moving very quickly. His body language indicated he was yelling. A little girl was cowering in front of him, clearly afraid. The girl eventually left, and Stick just faced a screen. His animation was so simple I couldn't tell if he was talking. 
2006 video called The Winner is Revealed, Stick had dark red stains on the top of his head, and one of his eyes was an X. Stick made no mention of his appearance and announced that the votes were in. It was time for the special guest show to air. His last bit of dialogue. It has been a long contest and the vote was close. But you, the kids, have decided. Coming right now, the classic you voted for. Candle Cove. Uh, now, I think the last bit ruins the entire story. Yeah. It's a nice tie-in, though. It's a real nice it's mashup good... they decided to do. Yeah, it's kind of a, the crossover that nobody wanted. <laughs> right? It's the opposite of Infinity War. It, it, is, it is zero war. It's zero war. Oh. Um, it's now my next one is called KFC. So you know how KFC isn't Kentucky Fried Chicken anymore, just KFC. Well, the Knowledge Flayers Council bought out the chain and changed the name so they could apply their sympathetic mal- magic. And now every one of those joints is an altar attuned to their cause, while the unsuspecting masses worship. Of course, before they could do it, they had to kill off the colonel first. And at two hundred and fifty years old. He must have had a couple tricks up his sleeve. But they got him. And to the victor goes the spoils. So now I can't have any more of that good Nashville hot chicken from KFC, I guess. Unless the fucking knowledge players are gonna get me. This just reminds me of, like, the, uh, the alternate reality idea of each of the uh, fast food chain icons are just, like, mob bosses and gang leaders, and yeah. they fight each other. I think this is just like the coalition that took down the colonel. This is, That was my favorite What If Spider-Man comic, was the one where Spider-Man had to take on the <laughs> colonel. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm gonna Google search and see. Someone's made that right. <laughs> Spider-Man fighting the colonel? This is still a spooky episode, right? I'm, I would be spooked by that. Alright, my next one actually does come with a warning. Warning. If you have a heart condition, do not read this. You will drop to the floor, flopping like a fish while clenching your heart, seeing as you're having a heart attack. Also, if you have a sensitive anus, do not read this. The brick you shat will be painful. So you can tell this is going to be a spooky one. Okay. It's going to be real scary. A few years ago... A man was walking down a road because his car broke down, and he saw a car coming up behind him. So he stuck out his thumb to hitchhike, and the car stopped ahead of him. He ran up to the passenger side and opened the door. When he opened the door, a skeleton popped out. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) A skeleton! Ah! Okay. (laughs) Did I write this one? Did you? Uh, Spooky skeleton. Okay, but I think I've got one that tops that. It's also very short. Okay. Do you think we'll have time to do one more round? Yeah, we got one more round in us. Okay. And keep in mind, I'm trying to read this as close to the um, grammar as possible. Oh, no. There was one time a guy who was a murderer. He thought to kill lots of guys, so he did. One day, the man tried to kill a guy, but it wasn't a guy. It was really a monster. A monster. Sorry. So the man went home and was sad for his murder. He said never kill more guys, so he didn't except one guy. 
It was his girlfriend who was not knowing about his crims. And then she was dead. His crims! <laughs> so, he had blood on his scarf. If you ever see him, murder guy, run or he might get you. Murder guy, no. <laughs> okay, oh. so my final bad creepypasta, because I do have a good one. This one is a lot like the one where you ask for the dollar bill and you get back the ghosts. It, it's something that you can do right now and uh, actually get a very spooky response out of it. <clears throat> so somewhere in Philadelphia, you'll find an old basketball court with a single ball lying in the middle. <sighs> Pick it up and start shooting hoops. I know. I... <laughs> After a while, a small group of hooligans will approach you and challenge you to a fight which you must accept. After the fight, you must go home and relay the events to your mother. She will then inform you that you have an aunt and uncle living in one of the districts of Los Angeles, and out of fear, she will send you to live there for an indefinite period of time. With your bags packed, go to the street corner and whistle for a cab. The cab that will pull up will bear the words fresh on the license plate, and upon closer inspection, novelty fuzzy dice will hang in the mirror. Although you will suddenly realize that cabs like these are extremely hard to find, do not bear any thought to it. At this point, you must point out in front of the car and say, Yo, Holmes, to Bel Air. You will stop in front of a mansion, and it will be sometime between 7 and 8 o'clock, even though it will feel like you've been traveling mere seconds. Get your luggage out and say, Yo, Holmes, smell you later, but do not turn back to face the cabbie. Walk up to the door. Look over your shoulder once, and then knock on the door three times. If you follow these instructions, your life will get flipped, turned upside down. <laughs> I feel like there was a little bit of the story missing, though. Like, I don't know, like a an entire verse that just gets cut after the first, like, five episodes. You must order an orange juice <laughs> on the airplane. <laughs> And then you have to ask, is this what people in Bel Air live like? <laughs> is this what people in Bel Air be living like? Living like? Man, it might be nice. After your mother requests, you must beg and plead with her day after day. But you'll find that your suit packs, <laughs> your suitcases are packed and she will send you onto an airplane. <laughs> now, I would just like to bring something up that I feel has never been broached before. Mm -hmm. Will Smith's mother, like, her character actually shows up later on in the show. Yeah. That ain't the same lady in the opening. No, what I think, I think the Fresh Prince in character wanted to do a music video, and so he may, it's almost like... <laughs> That's after his entire stint at Bel Air. Yeah. Like, after the end of the series, he's like, you know, I want to make a music video about that. Yeah, and so, like, it's a sweeted version of it. Um, so, do you have another bad creepypasta? Yes. Okay. This one takes place in media res. Oh, okay, cool. So, <clears throat> my eyes open. Darkness. Silence. Slowly my eyes adjust. Where am I? The first question that popped out into my mind. It was quickly answered by a shaddy figure, but that just made more questions. We're here. I could start to make out the figure, although it was blurry. Just hold on, a calm but shaky voice said. It was a woman's voice. My hands were numb and covered in blood. 
A light, a blinding light, appeared from a broken window. The light made it easy to see. I was in a mansion. The woman wandered into another room, and I heard shouting. She came back with bandages, and slowly put them around my head. I tried getting up, but failed. A man comes out of the back room with a blood-covered baseball bat in his left hand. So he's alive, says the man. Surprisingly, after you hit him. Hey, I thought he was turning. Have you been able to find Emily? Says the woman to change the subject. No. She... She's still missing. Kid, get up, she says to me. I slowly get up. The man shakes hands with me. Hey, I'm Jason. Sorry for breaking the rules. What rules? I remember now. The rules to follow. Because I've been having a long day, but I got lightheaded off of that. <laughs> <laughs> See, the original, it just ends with like just saying the words, but I felt that it was missing a little bit. It just needed a little bit of something on there. <laughs> this is the most pre prep that I've ever had to go into for an episode of this podcast, I think. And it, it paid off. I feel bad because, like, sometimes with the beauty of fun fiction is when I look for fan fiction and I want a specific thing, I can usually Google, like, Griffin McElroy Pokemon fan fiction, and it'll happen. Creepypasta has not reached that level of buck wildness yet because Tim Allen Creepypasta yielded nothing. Nicolas Cage Creepypasta gave me nothing. <laughs> No, the thing about Creepypasta is, it is the only time you'll, if you drew a Venn diagram of Creepypasta and fanfiction, the overlap would probably only be in, like, things like Lost Episodes, or, you know, stuff that happened backstage during television shows. So you're never gonna find, like, an original work. Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, that's just kind of the separation between the Creepypasta Creepypasta has become a lot more commercialized now nowadays, people, and I don't want to get up too much up on a soapbox now, but there's so many creators out there, and I feel like the stories are just kind of... We're waning in quality, Creepypasta. Yep, unfortunately so. Creepy. And since we're not going to talk about it... Creepypasta file case number one. Did you know your fridge is running? Yes? Well, you better catch it. Well, what about yours? Oh no. The end. <laughs> and the dish ran away with the spoon. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. Oh wait, I think I just found a creepy pasta that's literally just It's a creepy pasta that is literally just someone reacting to Trump getting elected. <laughs> oh no. Oh wait, hold on, I found one. It's called Meeting the Long Lost Father. Oh no. Huh. Uh, I found a boy in chains at the bottom of a well. He didn't know how long he'd been there, but as I pulled him up, the first things out the first word out of his mouth was I wish my father was here <laughs> And almost as if by magic, 
a large stretch limo oh, <laughs> with <Hold on. laughs> with steer horns on the front emblazoned parked in front of the home and out of it stepped a man with a one million gallon hat and, and then he said don't don't do it I can already see you I can see you clicking <laughs> and then he said Hi, I'm Doug Dimidome, owner of the Dimsdale Dimidome. Doug Dimidome, owner of the Dimsdale Dimidome. All right. Yep. All right. I, I think I'm slowly learning why we're the second to last podcast on the left and not the last podcast on the left. Because <laughs> I doubt on that show they've ever been like, all right, and that was our next creepypasta. Now, before I tell you about any of our sponsors, because we probably have sponsors, do you think they have, like, sponsors, but they have to be creepy about it? And they're just, they like, have to have their creepy, sp- creepy sponsors? You hear a knock at your door. It's noon. No one should be coming to your house. You slowly approach and open the door to find no one there. Then- Except for a box. <laughs> you look on the box and you see just two words. Blue Apron. <laughs> no, I think it would be something more like this. Um, now, or a word from our sponsors. But before we do that, I think we have to... <laughs> Damn it! Oh, this is, this, we can't... We can't do anything. We're so bad! <laughs> oh, my God. You feel your junk rub up against your underwear and it nearly rips it apart. You look for some some form of salvation. And then finally, like a falcon running to you in the night, you see it. It's a package of MeUndies luxury micromodal underwear. (laughs) Oh, you go to the store because you need replacement heads for your razor blades. (laughs) But when you get to the store... You can't get to them because they are behind the glass. And you're too socially awkward to talk to the person behind the counter. So you go home and then you order Dollar Shave Club. The Dollar Shave Club. Okay, I think we need to get actual spook. You think we could do that? Can we go full spook? I've got... I don't know if this would... I might want to save this one for later because it's got some spook in it. Yeah. But it's one that I really like it because it's got kind of a nice ending. Okay. Um, So wait, do you have two? I do. Why not you do one, I'll do mine, and then we'll end with your happy ending. Okay. Because that's the real thing about horror is you got to let people know that there's something good on the other side waiting for them. Exactly, because this first one, there ain't much good going on. And that good oh. thing is a Squarespace.com website. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so, Scotty, I thought this was topical since you just returned from the happiest place on Earth. Don't ruin it for me! <laughs> I'm going to ruin probably one of the most easily ruinable rides at Disney World, though, so... okay. Um, I work security at Disney World. Well, I mean, I did. I work in security at Disney World, the happiest place on Earth. 
Typically, I wouldn't say where I work, as obviously there are some pretty strict rules about things employees can put online. But I just don't think I can tell this properly without context. And honestly, I think it may be for I think it may be it for me anyway with this job. I just can't see myself working here any longer. I've been at the company for 23 years. First 20, I worked in the parks, nabbing shoplifters and rounding up people who were drinking too much for the heat. I, Occasionally, there. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally there'd be a fight to break up But people usually keep it pretty mild The heat and walking was getting too much for me in the last few years So I asked to be transferred somewhere with AC Company moved me to one of the resorts While the working conditions were 110% better as far as climate and comfort go The, great, the guest issues were trickier Mainly domestics I guess the expensive, expensive and stress of vacation got to a lot of people And I'd be called by neighboring rooms because some mom and dad were yelling at each other I try to suggest they take a nap or to do separate activities for a bit, and that would usually calm them down. But none of that is what I'm here for. I've got to get this out while I have time. Now, I would like to point out, the time crisis is a common trope that I'm seeing more and more in my spooky storytelling. Yeah. Like, I have to get this out before they come for me. Who is they doesn't matter. It makes it seem more real. <laughs> Dozens! <laughs> uh, anyway. Three days ago, I got a call from management. Apparently, a couple of days before that, housekeeping and went into a room that should have been turned over that day. This is what happens when a guest leaves by about 11 a.m. and the next guest checks in around 3. And all the guest items were still in my room. Housekeeping made a note of it and moved on. But during the next two days when they entered the room, everything was still there and untouched. I went to check it out, and sure enough, there was an empty room full of luggage, clothes, snacks, some toys, everything a family would need for vacation. The manager had already looked up the previous reservation, and it was for a family. Dad, mom, two little kids. I tried to call the phone numbers they had given, but all I got was a voicemail. We were a bit stumped, so I made a call to the housekeeper to clean the room to take the family's personal items to be held until we got into contact with someone. I went digging into the reservations more. The family had arrived five days before housekeeping discovered all their stuff. I found that a family had paid a parking fee, and their vehicle description was listed. A quick walk to the parking lots, and I had easily located their vehicle, so that ruled out a car accident or them deciding to just leave all their stuff behind. Next, I saw they had bought a dining plan. This is when guests prepays for all their foods. They give a certain number of credits to use for the meals. The family had only used three credits, and the last one was two days after they had checked in. It appeared that the day they arrived, they got here late and probably just stayed on the resort. The next day, they used up two credits at Epcot. The second part that day, hey, they just used one credit at the Magic Kingdom, and it was at breakfast time. Now, at Disney, we have something called Magic Bands. Magic Bands are worn by the guests and act as a room key, park ticket, credit card, dining reservation, payment, fast pass, and more. It took some work, but I was finally able to look up the family's fast pass history. The day they had went to Magic Kingdom, they had breakfast at the restaurant, rode a couple rides, and then rode oh, their last ride. Scotty. In this spooky story, what do you think their last ride was? I'm gonna say, because you said it was an easily ruinable ride. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say it's one that has a bunch of tiny, offensive <laughs> Mexican children all telling you about the world being tiny or some shit. And then rode their last ride. It's a small world after uh -huh. all. They rode that around 11 a.m. and then nothing else. Finally, it was time to bring someone else in on this. I called an old co-worker at the Magic Kingdom and I asked him to pull some security footage for It's a Small World. 
At the time they rode in, I made my way over there. When I got there, my friend was very confused, almost distraught looking. He showed me what he found. There's usually a camera in the direction of where the rides load and unload. The footage showed them scanning their bands to use their fast passes for the ride and boarding the ride. Hold on, but the wait, wait, from- wait, hold on, Blake. This has all seemed so realistic up until you said someone actually got a fast pass for it. The the ride that I think is has the most consistently short wait times yes. every time I've been there. This is really where the narrative falls yeah, apart, here's Scotty. your problem, mister. <laughs> uh, but when the footage from the exit of the ride came up, the boat they were in, they just weren't there. Everyone else got off, but they were just gone. Of course, we thought the worst. Maybe one of the kids had fallen out, and the mom and dad and other kid had gotten off in the middle of the ride to help, and they all got injured or killed or stuck in the machinery somewhere. So we shut down the ride. Middle of the damn day, turned off the earworm music, and turned up the lights. Me and my buddy walked that ride three times before we called in help. Eventually, there was close to ten cast members searching, and we didn't find shit except for three cell phones and a hat. I was right stumped. I kept digging the past couple of days, and I'm not sure what to tell what I found next to. That's a weirdly worded sentence. I called the police, and I suppose they're on the way. But the company has a way of covering up things like this. And I decided I can't live with myself. Oh, if I don't put out some type of warning. This is another thing. I called the police, and I'm sure that Disney is going to silence me. Yeah! That's like... Hey, look, man. Walt's powerful, my boy. Walt's powerful. Uh, So, I kept digging into their reservation over the last couple of days, and I noticed they had purchased a memory maker. These are photographs all over the parks that the cameras take in a lot of rides and on the streets. The photos are all free. They automatically get added to a guest Disney account when the system knows their picture has been taken. And the system always knows. Everyone's whereabouts are always known with the magic bands. Terrifying! Um, Well, I opened up their Memory Maker photo album, and there's 732 pictures. The first 30 or so are pretty normal. Epcot, a few rides in front of the castle, but the rest, the rest are all in It's a Small World. The ride only takes one picture per go-around, so it appears as though this family has ridden the ride over 700 times. The first picture was pretty normal. Everyone looked happy. It was a busy day and a full car of guests. The next one is rough to look at. The car is empty, except for this little family, and they look so darn confused. The next 10, 15, I could see the dad getting angry, yelling. Mom is holding on to the two kids like her life depends on it. And you could see the kids getting increasingly upset. And it goes on and on and on. After 50 or so, it looks like they're trying to get out. In one, the dad is missing. In another, they're they're all gone. Maybe like they bailed early in the ride and tried to walk out. But in the very next one, they're all right back in that damn car. After about 450 or so... I only see the mom and the kids. It's just when I look look closely, I can see the get, the dad, maybe just his body now, slumped into one of the other seats. Since about 675, there's just mom and one kid, another body in another seat. The mom and kid aren't moving anymore. I think them two are still alive, just damn near catatonic, looking straight ahead, pale. And y'all, I swear on my fucking life, the dolls are moving or something. In some of these pictures, I could... Tell they aren't what they should be. 
I even saw one with a doll in the car with the family. I can't look anymore. I'm going to lose my lunch. I closed the album. Its file size has increased since I closed it. God, are there still new pictures being added? I see it on security cameras that the local PD arrived, so they'll take over soon. I wish I knew what the fuck is going on, but I also wish the damn thing had never landed in my lap. I don't think I'll be able to update this. After I talk to the police, I think I'm going to walk out of here and never come back. I just wanted to get this out there before Disney feeds the media some bullshit cover-up as to why a whole family vanished. They didn't vanish. I know where they are. To end. To end. So they're just kind of Groundhog's day on the It's a Small World? Except you don't apparently get any of the fringe benefits from Groundhog's Day as, i.e., they are starving or something. Oh, and okay, yeah, yeah. Also, I feel like this is just kind of tacked in, because when someone brings up... And then the dolls were alive, like, all of a sudden, without any foreshadowing. Are you about the animatronics? Is that what they mean? Yeah. Okay. Because it's like, what kind of Five Nights at Freddy bullshit are you trying to pull here, son? I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, and had <laughs> yeah. and spent enough time with it for 14-year-olds to ruin it for me. So, I guess what we're trying to say to all the people at home, if you go to Disney World, you could go to Magic Kingdom and, you know, go to Magic Kingdom and ride It's a Small World and lead this horrible life. Or you could possibly go to Animal Kingdom and... This <laughs> gun! <laughs> Oh, uh, so the the reason like there's oh, so many people. I, when I opened my phone, it just started going again. <laughs> you okay? Now we're cursed with this song. <laughs> um, there's apparently like people in this thread too because this is this is uh, on a no sleep thread on Reddit. Um, thankfully contributed by username Disney Security. See, I've se- <laughs> I've seen stuff like this before. And my yeah. favorite thing about it is it's always definitely written by someone who's a huge fan of Disney because they explain yeah. like, all of the different aspects, which is really cool. There's one like in here. It's much shorter, but I really like the idea because there's a lot of Disney horror stories in here yeah. um, in this thread particularly. But um, So this guy used to work at Disney. Before he left, he wanted to use his last ride um, before he had to leave the park for the last time. So he wanted to get nostalgic and ride It's a Small World. It's all well and good until the end of the Europe section. There is like a sweet little Swiss Alps girl that I noticed that wasn't in the Switzerland section. I mean, she was close, but I'd written that thing a hundred times, and I knew it like the back of my hand. But I was like, whatever, I'm definitely not in the inner circle, and don't, they don't need my approval to change the location of the puppets. Then I shit you not, I saw her again in each of the next four areas. Only she wasn't dancing and singing along with the other characters just sort of lurking in the background, but still very visible. Yeah. It was one of those things where I didn't really want to believe what I was seeing, but I was absolutely certain of what I saw. So it was late at night, I was on the ride by myself, since I was with friends, with people with, that ran the ride. I was thoroughly freaked out. I wasn't doing anything to distract my... I was doing anything I could to distract myself, and then I make it to the little finale of the ride. I never forget... I saw that little fucking piece of shit doll hugging the sign that said Shalom. First rationalization, though, was that it was a prank. Somehow my dickhead friends had set up. But they were that adamant that they didn't, and that it couldn't be possible. They don't have duplicates of the puppets. If one breaks, they either fix it after the park is closed or get a new one made. 
apparently Swiss, Al- Swiss Alps girl has been decommissioned because now no matter how many times they fix her, she still wouldn't seem to dance or sing with the rest of the puppets. So I'm still curious about because like I, I saw her at the end, and you expected to be like, and she was covered in blood, but no, it's like she was really into the shalom sign. Shalom sign. Yeah, this is more like this is. This doesn't seem malicious. It's kind of like trickster spirit thing going on here. A trickster Jewish god is messing with us. That's apparently taken the form of a Swiss Alps animatronic doll. Yeah. Alright, let's get on to my creepy yeah. pasta because this one I talked about in one of our early spooky episodes. And I just brought, I didn't think I could actually find it because I read it in a book in like middle school and it was the first ever really unsettling story I'd ever really gotten into. And it is called Fairy in a Jar. Oh no. You probably think of fairies, if you think of them at all, as wonderful little creatures flying happily through the forest, dancing and singing and making merry. Let me tell you something, fairies might look lovely on the outside, but inside they're ugly real ugly. Fairies are mean and vicious. They got teeth like little needles. One bite wouldn't hurt much, but I'm pretty sure they wouldn't stop at one. They'd keep biting and chewing until they hit something vital. Fairies aren't good news, I know. Let me tell you about my fairy in a jar. I've been, I was running around around the backyard trying to catch bu- fireflies with a net from this bug kit I'd gotten years ago. The kit was a birthday present from an aunt who had no idea what I liked. I might have used it once or twice, but mostly it just sat in the back of my closet under a pile of other junk. I'd lost the collecting bottle that came with it, but I found an old jar and ounced a, it punched a couple of holes in the lid. Bugs probably didn't need much air, but it was fun banging away with a hammer and nail. A- anyhow, I was swiping the net at some bugs because there was nothing on TV except reruns, and all my friends were busy, and I couldn't find anything else to do. I'd caught a couple fireflies and put them in the jar- into the jar. I mean, the whole adventure was getting boring pretty fast. I was just about to quit when I saw a flash under the birch tree at the back of the yard near the woods. Thinking about it later, I sort of remembered that the flash was different. It was more glittery, almost a sparkle. I crept over and swung the net. Thunk. Something heavy hit the bottom. I jumped. I thought I caught a bat. My skin crawled at that idea. I fumbled the jar lid open and slammed the net down. I felt a solid plunk against the glass. Got it, I thought. I needed two tries to get the lid on tight. Uh, The jar kept shaking in my head, and so did the lid. A bat. My very own bat. The guys would go wild when I showed it to them. I held the jar up to see my catch. Three fireflies were crawling around the sides, but that wasn't what grabbed my attention. There was something else crumbled on the bottom. It wasn't a bat, not even close. It wasn't an it, either. It was a she. She unfolded herself and rose slowly to her feet, shimmering in the light of the quarter moon. She was no more than five inches tall, skinny, long dark hair, green dress, wings. She looked down at her body as if checking for injuries. The jar was shaking in short jerks that made her stagger and fight for balance. She pressed her hands against the glass and stared straight at me. For an instant, so quick I thought at first it was my imagination, there was nothing in her gaze but pure hatred. Then she smiled. Maybe I should have smashed the the jar against the tree. Maybe I should have smashed it and run, just run forever. Uh, Maybe isn't worth much, it's only a word. In a way, I understood how that kid at the playground must have felt last week when I punched him in the gut. Everything inside of me was stunned. Yeah, I don't what? know. That was... <laughs> what? <laughs> what? So is this... Is this just setting up the fact that this kid is apparently a bully? Apparently! I understood how it felt when I beat that shit out of that piece of kid, Amy. Alright, everything inside of me was stunned. I felt that my body had been filled with glue. 
All right. I held the jar and stared at her. Let me go, kind sir. Her voice was like bells and dreams and whispers in my mind. I grabbed the lid. I started to twist it loose, but that look of hate flashed across her face again. I knew. In that thousandth of a second, I knew I could never set her free. By then, I also knew I didn't want her free. She was mine. I had captured a prize no one else could even imagine. This is a sapient being, dude! <laughs> That's like... No! Yeah, but I mean, like, what if he's like, oh, this, is, this belongs in a museum? <laughs> this living creature that has independent thought! Yeah. Wishes, she said. I can grant wishes. That got my interest. I took my hand off the lid and held it out palm up. Show me. A thousand dollars right here. I wiggled my fingers. You have to free me first. I don't think so. I wasn't stupid. I wasn't going to fall for some sort of trick. That's the rule. Her voice grew colder. I make the rules now. It felt good to say that. Please? No. <laughs> Is this about Dexter? Because I feel like this kid grows up to be Dexter. I, yeah. There's some. OP, you need to get some help. <laughs> and not just the fairy-based type of help. Still staring at me, she flicked her hand out and grabbed one of the fireflies from the side of the jar. Still staring at me, she bit off the head of the firefly. I don't know if she kept staring after that. I looked away, but I squeezed the jar as if to make sure the glass was strong enough to keep her trapped. It was one of those jars people put homemade stuff in. The lady next door had this wormy old apple tree. Each year she made applesauce for the whole neighborhood. Every house got a jar tied with a red ribbon. No one ever eats it. We just toss out the whole thing or dump the sauce and keep the jar. The glass felt solid, though. It would hold her. I took the jar... Just taking a moment to dunk on your neighbor. Neighbor... Like, damn, you... This, now, I will say, the author has gone out of their way to make their characters so unrelatable and, and getting what they deserve at the end of this, which is what I'm assuming. Unlikable. I took the jar up to my room, being careful that nobody saw it. I put it on my top shelf in my closet. The next moment, the next morning, I almost convinced myself none of it had happened. Almost. But the jar was there, and she was there. At first I thought she was dead. She was crumpled on the bottom again. Then as I saw her let out a shallow breath, realized she was sleeping. Sleeping or in some sort of suspended state. Creature of the night. I don't know where that phrase came from, but it ran through my head. How do you not know where the phrase creature of the night comes from? It's a creature of the fucking night. Night. What do you think it do? Love getting out in day? Yeah. I noticed something else. The bugs were gone. All three of them. Bon appetit. I shook the jar a bit, but she just slid around without waking. I could wait. She'd be up after dark. I was pretty sure of that. Somehow, some If you are terrified of this creature, this is when you let it go and just never look back. Yeah. Somehow, <laughs> someway, I was going to get a... No, here's why he doesn't. Somehow, someway, I was going to get a payoff from her. Fuck you, Billy! <laughs> You know not what you do, bitch. <laughs> sure enough, when I checked that night, she was awake, sitting on the bottom of the jar. <laughs> At this point, I do want to give him, like, an evil British voice. <laughs> Good evening, I said, speaking quietly so nobody could hear me talking in my room. Set me free. I shall reward you with wonders beyond your imagining. She looked up at me and smiled. A chill ran down my spine. 
Cut the babble. Cut the babble and give me some details. What can you do? I picked up the jar, holding the sides of the lid. Even protected by the glass, I didn't want to put my fingers too close to her. Whatever you wish. I didn't believe her. Promises were easy to make. Take off your clothes. No. <laughs> Man. Show me. Free me. I, I, see, at this point, I wouldn't have been surprised. Show me. Free me first. I shook my head. It was a standoff, but I was the one with the power. She was mine. She would give me something valuable. She had no choice. I owned her now. This is like an eight-year-old kid! Think about it. Oh, wait, that makes much more sense now, yeah. <laughs> Think about it, I said, putting the jar back on the shelf. Think of some way to buy your freedom. I'm sure you'll come up with an idea. Well, like, eight-year-olds are normally, like, stupid dicks. He's like yeah. a manipulative dick. This kid, this is, this, they are putting a lot of, like, IQ points onto this child. Yeah. She gave me that look again in a flash of those teeth. I closed the closet door and left the room. The next day we had the same conversation and the same on the day after. I wanted proof. She wanted freedom. But she was weakening. I could see that. I knew she had to give me a reward sooner or later. I could wait. I was in charge. On the fifth day she agreed to my request. I will transmute an object for you, she said. Her voice was thinner, barely louder than a thought. Transmute? I will change its form. Give me carbon and I will make a diamond. A diamond? That's more like it. I wondered for a moment how I was going to sell a diamond, but that problem could wait. Right now I needed some carbon. I mean, that was easy enough. Charcoal for the grill, that was carbon, so was lead for pencils. I couldn't believe that was something I learned in Mr. Chubley's stupid science class was actually worth knowing. Live and learn. But I wasn't about to try to stick a big hunk of charcoal in the jar. There was no way I was opening that lid, not even for a second. I wasn't falling for any of her tricks. As I looked around the room, I saw the answer right next to me. I yanked out my desk drawer and hunted around the sides and corners. Got it. Perfect. I knew I had it in there. A what? A... A while? What? A pack of refills for my lead pencils. The best part was that they were thin enough to slip through the air holes in the lid of the jar. I was planning to keep a nice solid barrier between me and those teeth, thank you very much. Creative! Yeah. She gathered the pieces of lead. This will take some time. I can wait. She sat staring at the slivers of carbon. I put the jar away from the night, and in the morning I rushed to the closet to see my first diamond. In my head, I'd already spent the money, a new bike, new sneakers, all the new video games. The guys were definitely going to envy me. But she wasn't finished. The pieces of lead were still there, though they looked smaller and shinier than before. It takes time, she said. I would have to be patient. It takes time, she warned again that evening. So I waited. On the fourth night, she was done. Here. She held up her hand. Take this and set me free. What are you trying to pull? I almost smashed the jar. There was nothing more than the tiniest sparkle in her tiny hand. She had made a miniature diamond chip. It was worthless. My dreams of wealth turned pale and vanished. This is all I can give you. Take it and set me free. You made a bargain. I was so disgusted. I just put the jar back in the closet and went to bed. Maybe I heard something that night. I can't remember. I'm too scared to really remember, but I remember the morning. Every second is burned into my brain. I got up. I walked to the closet. The door was open about an inch. I, I thought I closed it. I opened it all the way and reached for the jar, and my hands stopped. My breath stopped. My heart almost stopped. 
There was a hole in the side of the jar. There was a round piece of glass on the shelf next to it. She was gone. Oh, bitch, use the diamond to cut her way out. Hell yes, fairy. How? Then I knew, a little bit after Blake realized, the diamond. She tricked me. She knew I wouldn't take that tiny diamond. She also knew it could cut through the glass. She was free. Somewhere she was sleeping, but night was coming, and she would wake, and she would come from me. I'm afraid to go to sleep tonight. I don't think I'll ever sleep again. The end. You know, that's less of a creepypasta and more of a redemption story <laughs> with our spin we put on it. Yeah, it's more like... This is some kind of... This sounds like it would be an actual horror movie, except it would be from both the point of view of the pixie and the dude, and just how horrible of a person he is. Yeah. I mean, I felt bad. I was like, oh, thank God. He got what he deserved in the Because as a kid, I read it, and everything he was saying was like, well, that makes sense. But now that I'm a grown-ass adult, I'm kind of like, oh. Oh, this kid's fucked up. This kid's very fucked up. I, it also makes me think, like, wait, as you're writing this, did this just happen, or has it happened a long time ago? No, I, Because that was kind of confusing. I think it happened, I think he wrote this, like, right after the morning. So I think he woke up, saw it, and was like, well, I might as well write the fucking death note now so everyone knows that a fairy killed me. Yep. Oof. Oof so don't fuck with fairies. So you said yours had a happy ending. Ours kind of had a happy ending as well. It did. Once we kind of really um, digested it and just kind of took it for what it was, yeah. Once we established that Billy was the true villain all along. Now, this one um, is from, of course, the wonderful series Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Okay. Um, it's one of my favorites, be and I say that just in the fact that I remember it the probably the best out of some of them, and also because the picture, for some reason, of all the horrible pictures in this series, this one just gets me. Don't open it yet, Okay. Well, but I sent it to you in Hangout. Okay, just tell me when to open it, and I will. Yeah, well, how long would it take you to put it on the stream? Well, I'd have to see it before it goes on the stream. Okay, that's fine. <clears throat> this one's called The Haunt in the Cellar. Okay. So, uh, hope you know I'm gonna put a little spin on this. <laughs> oh, 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 the lady's getting wet. He's getting that southern voice on. All right. One time, a preacher went to see if he could put a haunt to rest in a house in his settlement. The house had been haunted for about a decade. Several people had tried to spend the night there, but the haunt would always frighten them away. So this preacher took his Bible, went to the house, and without any hesitation, he went on in, built himself a good fire, and lit a lamp. He sat there, reading the Bible. Then, just before midnight, he heard some noises starting up in the cellar, walking back and forth and back and forth over and over again. And it sounded like something was trying to scream, but the sound got choked off. Then he could hear a lot of thrashing and struggling, and finally all was quiet. God, hold on, I have to scroll down because this picture, <laughs> this fucking... It's getting you. Yeah. The old preacher took up his Bible once again, 
But before he could start reading, he heard footsteps coming up the cellar stairs. He sat watching the door to the cellar, and as the footsteps drew nearer and nearer, he saw the doorknob turn, and when the door slowly began to creak open, he leapt up and shouted authoritatively, What do you want? The door closed again soundlessly, as if whoever had opened it was meek and frightened away by the shout. The preacher was also shaken by this, trembling a little, but he finally got around to opening his Bible and reading again. He got up and set the book in his chair and focused attending the fire. Then the haunt started walking again, and step, 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 step up the stellar stairs. The old preacher sat watching the door, seeing the doorknob turn, and the door came open. The figure that stepped out looked like a young woman. He backed up and said, Who are you? What do you want? The haunt swayed, as if she didn't know what to do. Then she just faded away. The old preacher waited and waited, and when he didn't hear any more noises, he went over and he shut the door. He was sweating and trembling all over, but he was a brave man, and he was confident that he would be able to see this through. So he turned his chair to where he could watch that cellar door, and he sat down waiting. It wasn't long before he heard the haunt again. Slowly, step, 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 closer and closer, step, step and it was right at the cellar door as it had been earlier. The preacher stood up and held his Bible out before him. The knob slowly turned, and the door opened wide. This time, the preacher decided to speak more quietly. He said, In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, who are you and what do you want? The haunt drifted right over across the room, straight to him, and it took a hold of his coat, it was the same young woman. I swear to God, it better not say my name is Doug Dimitomo. No. <laughs> he took a hole in his coat and said, I'm Doug Dimitomo. <laughs> it was the same young woman. She was about 20 years old. Open the, open the picture. Oh no, oh no, Blake, don't, don't, don't. No, I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't! Ah, no! <laughs> oh, gosh, she's oh, the no. worst! Okay, her hair was torn, matted, and tangled, and the decaying flesh was rotting off her face, so some of her skull and teeth had become visible. She was lacking eyes, though an eerie blue light rested in the back of her eye sockets. Her nose also appeared to be missing. She began to speak. Her voice faded in and out as the wind would during a storm. She told the tale of how her lover killed her for money, and she was buried in the cellar. She said if the preacher could dig up her bones and give her a proper burial, she could rest peacefully. She then told him to take the end joint of the little finger from her left hand and to lay it in the collection plate at the next church meeting and he'd find out who had murdered her. And then she said, If you come back here once more after that, you'll hear my voice at midnight, and I'll tell you where my money is hidden, and you can donate it all to the church. The haunt sobbed like she was exhausted, then sunk down towards the floor, vanishing. The preacher found her bones, sure as she said, then he buried her in the graveyard. The next Sunday... 
The preacher put that small bone in the collection plate, and when a certain man happened to touch it, it stuck to his hand. The man jumped up and rubbed and scraped and tore at the bone trying to get it off. Then he went to screaming like no one had ever went to screaming before, like he was going crazy, only to begin frantically confessing to the murder he had committed all those years ago. He was then taken to court for questioning. After the man was hung, the preacher went back to that house one midnight, and the voice of that ghastly girl told him to duck under the hearth rock. He did. And under that he found a big sack of money. Yet still to this day, where the haunt had held on to his coat, the print of those bony fingers was burned right into the fa fabric. The impressions never did come out. And they read the words, I'm Doug Dimondone. No! <laughs> I'm sorry, no. Let me, let me. <clears throat> the impressions never did come out. They spelled out the words, Open the door, get on the floor. No, no, Everybody you beat me to it. I was gonna be like, and she said, "One last thing before you can spend the money on the church, and that is too." Better watch the dinosaur. Get on the floor. Oh. So wait, hold on. Was that last part improv, or does it actually have like a what's on his coat? It, there's nothing on his coat, but it does end saying the impressions of her hands never did come out. Oh, that's fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we can end it. I just found one last... Uh, this was actually one of my earliest creepypastas that I read. Um, oh, no. A man is walking home late one foggy Halloween night when behind him he hears bump, bump, bump. Walking faster, he looks back and through the fog, he makes out the image of an upright casket banging its way down the street towards him. Bump, bump, bump. Terrified, the man begins to run towards his home, the casket bouncing quickly behind him. Faster, faster, bump, bump, bump. He runs up to his door, fumbles with his keys, finally opens it, rushes in, and slams and locks the door behind him. However, the casket crashes through his door with the lid of it clapping, clappity-bump, clappity-bump, clappity-bump. On his heels, the terrified man runs. Rushing upstairs to the bathroom, he locks himself in, his heart pounding, his head is reeling, his breath is coming in, sobbing gasps. With a loud crash, the casket breaks down the door, bumping and clapping towards him. The man screams and reaches for something, anything, all he can find. Is a, is a box of cough drops. Desperate, he, he throws the box at the coffin. And of course, the- Oh, fuck. <laughs> the coffin stops. Waka waka. <laughs> oh, fuck it. And then a skeleton popped out. Oh, no. Skeleton was the one that was coughing. He was he was very grateful. He was like, "Thank you so much. It means a lot." Now let me get on the floor and walk this dinosaur. The dinosaur, man, thank you. Oh my. Just let me know. I can grant you one wish because I'm Spooky Bones. Spooky Bones. The wish granting skeleton. <laughs> so Blakey, it's been a spooktacular episode. Where can people find you on the spook internet? On the floor. <laughs> Walking the dinosaur. <laughs>
<laughs> now that I've thoroughly run that one into the ground. <laughs> you can find me at Blake A. Tanner on Twitter. You can find me at the Darkroom Vidya on YouTube. And every week, doing this lovely podcast and others on the BS Network. And you can find me on Twitter at Doug Dimidome. I'm where the dumb still Dimidome. No, you can find me, uh, you can find old Spooky Mo on the Twitter machine at Scotty Mo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. Buy all my books on Amazon, the Queensland Corp Trilogy, BS versus the Gods, and check out all the other BS Network programs online at a load of pure BS that... And of course, remember to support us on the on merch.aloadofpurebs.com. Pick you up a merch shirt for whatever show. Fuck that one got away from me. <laughs> a ghost stole the plug straight out of my mouth. Or of course, remember to donate to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash a load of BS and rate comment subscribe it's your ratings it's your subscriptions it's what's gonna help us defeat the podcast illuminati in our epic quest to take them down oh oh yeah that's what we're doing that's why we did all of this shit that's why we're still here is trying to defeat them we got six episodes left dude we gotta keep trying to take them down pegs we're doing it we're kind of doing it But until next time, Blake Tanner, have a spooky evening! Oh, well, Scotty Moore, maybe you should also... (laughs) 